You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Ah, back to school. When excited students shuffle into their new classrooms to meet their new friends and their new teachers. Or, in thousands of classrooms across Quebec, their new adult, their new supervisor, I'm not sure what to go with here, but it's not, teacher. Quebec children coming back to classrooms this week despite over 8,500 teachers missing province-wide. Teachers are left scrambling and worried as the lack of specialists and teachers will force them to take on more than they can handle. Quebec is not the only province facing a shortage of teachers. But it is the one in the most dire straits as school begins. And it has been for years now. This year, the ministry has tried to combat the shortage by lowering the requirements to work in a classroom. Just how low? You'll find out today. How did the province end up in this situation and why does it keep getting worse year over year? What do current teachers say about what's happening in their schools? Why have so many former teachers left the profession? Why can't Quebec keep the teachers it trains or convince its veteran educators to stay in the classroom? And what does it mean for the children who are supposed to be learning this fall? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Tula Dramonis is a freelance writer and editor who wrote about the Quebec teacher shortage for cultmontreal.com, where she has a weekly column. Hello, Tula. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start us off today with some context? Like, how long have teacher shortages been an issue in Quebec and uh, maybe in other places across the country? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is not uh, something that's new. We're talking about it because we're, I don't know, less than a week away from from school starting. And it is a major issue here in Quebec right now. But I'd say it's been brewing for close to a decade, perhaps longer. This is the result of constant budget cuts, a lack of appreciation, I'd say, for the teaching profession and for education in general. I don't think this government right now in Quebec has necessarily made the situation better, but they are not the only ones to blame. You know, education is a huge file. This has been going on, you know, I'd say the last three governments in Quebec did not necessarily improve the situation either. Uh, and we're talking about severe shortages, but I do want to point it out that, as you mentioned, this is not unique to Quebec. You know, this is a crisis that I'd say is a cr- happening across Canada, even south of the border. If you look at Some media outlets, they talk about the fact that there are missing teachers there as well. I'd say the problem is quite aggravated here in Quebec right now. Like, I was pretty shocked to see the numbers that were revealed yesterday. Tell us about the numbers then, because they were shocking. I mean, that's why we called you as soon as I saw them, because I was very surprised by the level this has gotten to. We knew they were bad because if you pay attention on the ground, if you talk to to teachers, you know, uh, federations that have been talking about this for a very long time, warning that this is becoming a very big problem, parents as well, we knew that it was an issue. But yesterday during uh, the education minister's press conference, you know, he revealed the total numbers, including Montreal, which we, we were lacking up until last week, let's say. And right now we have 
to quote the exact numbers, 8,558 teaching positions to fill, 8,859 full-time, 6,699 part-time. This is huge. This is not, you know, uh, a tiny number that you can kind of move things around, have some possibly temporary situations or solutions. You're talking about a huge number here of, uh, of teaching positions to fill I hate to say it. I'm almost thankful that I don't have kids because I don't think I would handle the stress all that well. I I understand how parents are a little panicky right now. So what are school boards and the government um, trying to do to make up for that humongous gap? I understand, uh, to put it mildly, there are some creative solutions. Yeah, if you want to call it a solution, I've referred to it as a sliding scale of mediocrity, really, because the education minister, he gave interviews last week and he was talking about these so-called solutions. And and I'm doing my air quotes right now. You can't see me. He basically said our first priority is to have a qualified teacher in the classroom, if not legally qualified, then an unqualified teacher. And in some cases, we hope for an adult in the classroom. He said that ideally a bachelor's would be what they would want, but it's not required. And in some cases, even a high school diploma will be enough, which to me is absurd because I don't see how that can possibly be a solution long-term. And if I were a teacher, I'd be a little livid because to me, it's a, a real indication of a lack of understanding of what teaching entails, but also deep disrespect for the profession. You know, like these are professionals. These are people who are educated, who spend years learning how to teach. It's a process. It's not an easy profession. And I feel that in many ways, the government, sometimes when it talks about teachers, treats them as glorified babysitters. Well, that was going to be my next question, which is like, practically, what happens when you have somebody without a teaching certificate, for sure, maybe without a bachelor's degree, maybe with just a high school diploma, leading a classroom? Like, what do they do? I mean, I, I have a university degree. I wouldn't know the first thing about getting up in front of a class. You know, I suppose that in some c- cases there are people out there with other degrees that have an affinity for teaching that will jump in and say, hey, I think I can do it. You know, possibly spend some time learning the curriculum. But it, it, it teaching goes beyond understanding or possibly learning about the, your subject matter. You know, there are so many other facets of what it entails to be a teacher that I wouldn't even know where to begin. And, you know, he said this is a temporary solution, but I have a hard time believing that. First of all, the Teachers Federation is saying that this situation has severely deteriorated and that it's three times worse than last year, which means that they have not been paying attention to the people telling them that this is bad. And another thing, last school year, there were about 30,000 unqualified teachers. So this is not a new problem. You can't say that it's going to be a temporary solution when we have so many unqualified teachers. Like, where are we going to find? You know, the government says that they're looking at hiring, I believe the number was 8,000. They're trying to recruit, they're trying to train 8,000 teachers. I'm not sure where they're going to get them from because it's not only about hiring new teachers attracting new people. It's it's about how do we attract new people to the to the profession and how do we retain the teachers that we already have. If you speak to teachers on the ground, they'll tell you that there are severe issues, right, with their profession. They're not happy with the working conditions. A lot of teachers are telling me that they're overwhelmed. They are dealing with a lot of kids that have learning disabilities, behavioral issues, 
dyslexia, a, a variety of different, you know, issues. And, and what's happening is that we're missing the specialists, you know, we're missing the speech therapists, the special educators, the people that can help with that. So not only are their teachers overwhelmed, they're underpaid. You know, Quebec, I believe, has the worst salaries, teaching salaries uh, across the country. So that doesn't help in uh, attracting people to, to the profession. I read recently, like 25% of teachers are leaving the profession within the first five years. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you next, actually, which is why are teachers leaving the profession? And is this gap created by them leaving or is it uh, also contributed to by not being able to develop new teachers, attract them to the profession? Like, how did we end up with this gap in the first place? I think it's a combination of all of those things. You know, you can't have successive governments constantly underfunding education year after year after year, which means that you're inevitably deteriorating the working conditions for teachers without there being severe consequences. They can't handle it anymore, right? I mean, you can't go into school constantly saying that you need more help, feeling overwhelmed, stressed. I'm sure the pandemic, three years of the pandemic, definitely didn't help. And at the same time, if you have governments that are mistreating or disrespecting the profession, you're not going to be able to attract more people. For example, you asked me about solutions. One of the solutions, at least, that the government tried to implement was they tried to retain some of their, their teaching uh, force, like the senior, the more senior teachers that were about to retire. They said, hey, we'll give you a $12,000 bonus if you stick around a little bit longer. That didn't really work. They were able to get like maybe 100 teachers that stayed on because I get it. If you're at that point in your life where you're close to retirement and these are the conditions that you're dealing with, I, I can't imagine that $12,000 is enough to keep you, you know, uh, sticking around for a few more years when, when you've reached retirement age. So I think it's a combination. It's a real combination of all kinds of different issues that have resulted in this. How do the government and school boards allocate the teachers that they do have to figure out uh, who teaches what, which age groups get priority? I'm asking this question because you reported on some stuff specifically about younger grades and classes. I don't know exactly the intricate details of what exactly how the decisions are made. I do know that our education minister has kind of put his foot in his mouth a few times because he had mentioned that he wished that younger teachers who didn't have experience would teach the younger kids, the first first grades, basically implying that kids in, in pre-K or kindergarten are, um, these classes are much easier, which really uh, did not help matters much because uh, a lot of the, the teachers that do teach these younger kids were really frustrated by those answers because, again, it's disrespectful and it's, it's really again, lacking kind of an understanding of how complicated it is to teach kids at that age. You know, not, it's not because they're younger or they take the occasional nap in class that it's easy to teach kids at that grade level, right? At that age, it's, it's, it requires skills. And I feel that a lot of people are making decisions who have probably never stepped foot in a classroom and don't understand what is required to, uh, to teach I don't know if you know the answer to this. Well, I don't know if anybody does, including uh, the government here. But, like, what happens this fall if there simply aren't enough teachers or even just, you know, adults to be in the classrooms? Like, what do they do with those extra students, those empty seats? What does education look like? 
I honestly don't know. I guess they're hoping, like he said, for at least an adult in the room, which to me is, I don't know, what does that accomplish exactly if you're allowing an adult to kind of monitor a classroom? I mean, you're you're talking about someone who doesn't have the qualifications, doesn't have the skills. What's going to happen is that a lot of kids are going to fall through the cracks. You know, I understand parents being severely concerned by this because, their educational success is going to be compromised. I mean, it's inevitable, right? It really bothers me because we have a government that constantly, constantly says about how uh, the protection of the French language is their number one priority. And this is why, you know, uh, Lego entered politics. But you can't possibly make that claim that protecting French, you know, matters to you if you're constantly underfunding education time and time again. Something doesn't jive here. You know, I mentioned in my piece, uh, uh, Bill 21, you know, that prevents and banned basically qualified teachers from teaching if they wore religious symbols, you know, the hijab or turban. I know that that is not the main reason for our teacher shortages, that which are so huge, but it definitely aggravated the situation. You know, when you have so many teachers missing and you have, you know, 100, 200 teachers that are qualified and these teachers can't teach, it's a problem. And not only that, I often wonder what the real number of teachers Bill 21 prevented us from having, because it's not just current teachers, it's also future teachers, right? There are studies that show that about 40% of Quebec's teachers are retiring by 2030. That's not far. That's like in seven years. We're talking about huge numbers retiring. So the problem isn't going away. It's only going to be amplified as far as I see it. So not only are you preventing current teachers from teaching, but also preventing possible future teachers from entering the profession because, you know, if I wear the hijab, they don't want me. I'm not going to be uh, teaching. So we're, we're losing future teachers as well. So what could the government do to help fix this? And and two facets to that. First, you know, what could they do now, tomorrow, to try to get this thing turned around as quickly as possible? But also, in the long term, like you mentioned, this is a problem that's been building up for a decade. What could be done to sort of try to make up for that gap and lure more people into the profession? Well, for starters, I think the one thing that they do have that is in, in their power is definitely better pay. Like I mentioned, salaries are the lowest in Canada and Quebec. They have increased slightly, but they're still extremely low. I mean, I think they hover around like starting salaries around $53,000, dollars And if you compare them to, let's say, Alberta, I believe it was Alberta, they're like around 80000 That's a huge gap. Like I can understand someone saying, well, I'm not interested in the teaching profession here or possibly saying, you know, once graduated, maybe I'm better off working in another province. So definitely proposing better pay would, you know, make a little bit of a dent, you know, possibly bonuses again to possibly lure a few more teachers into the profession or possibly hold on to a few more. Basic respect, I guess, you know, when you're at that bargaining table, when you're at that negotiating table, I think it would be a good start to listen to teachers. They are not feeling heard right now. The ones that I interviewed feel that they're not being heard at all. So treating them with more respect, I think, would go a long way towards making them feel that they are part of the solution and that they are respected and that what they do matters. I think this constant, and this is, again, across the country and beyond Canada, I think, I don't know what it is, but we have this idea that education and healthcare and some of the things that we should be putting most of our money don't matter and that somehow people will figure it out and we'll, we don't need to invest in these areas. And, and chronic underfunding has really created major issues right now. 
Chula, thank you so much for this. And I guess to Quebec parents listening, uh, good luck this fall. Uh, yeah, yeah, good luck to everyone, honestly. And to teachers, my God. I, I have so much empathy for them. Chula Dramonis writing in Cult Montreal. That's cultmtl.com. And that was The Big Story. You can find us at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can always get in touch with us. We love to hear from listeners. Your first place to find us is on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. Your second is via email, hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. And your third option is via phone, 416-935-5935 to leave us a voicemail. Joseph Fish is the lead producer of The Big Story. Robin Simon is a Big Story producer. Ryan Clark and others handle our sound design work. Mary Jubrin is our digital editor. Stephanie Phillips is our showrunner. I am Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. A long weekend, in fact. We'll have a little treat for you in the feed, but mostly we'll be back Tuesday after Labor Day. And we'll talk then.